0: What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And this week, I'm so excited. I literally went back and forth a million times to try to schedule this, and it's finally happening. We have Deliane, the money
1: coach, on the show. Thank you so much for making time for this, and sure. welcome to the show, Deliane. Yes, I am so excited. I'm like, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. I love you and your energy, Yay. and I'm like, this needs to happen (laughs) thank you but honestly you know what's so funny the first time I actually because I had
0: like been following you for a while but I hadn't really like dug into you your content your style and your like philosophy on investing and and financial literacy education until we teamed up to do um finances and fuego and I went to your session and I was like I love this girl how how have I not been like and so then ever since then I was like you know your number one fan I like stan all your content so Oh my God, I'm
1: dying because you were. I I think what people don't realize is how new I am to the scene. And you were one of the first Latinas that I saw in the personal finance space. And I'm like, her that energy that's what I want to bring to finance and I'm like where are we where are the other ones there's no one
0: else I know I mean honestly it is a lot of work so like even like for me I started in 2015 and now I still it's not like I have like 500,000 200,000 followers like I still have a small like group but it's because it takes so much time I mean you know this firsthand like the time you have to dedicate if you really want it to grow and having a family having a boyfriend having hobbies having a full-time job having I'm like you know what I have to be reasonable with it being a one part of my life but not being
1: everything in my life. So girl, you get it. I love it though. Your YouTube channel is like next level. So great job.
0: Thank you. you. i I really have to be, um, I think been thinking about like how to revamp it and how to get it like fresh and stuff for 2022, because I feel like after you do so many videos, you're like, I feel like I've done all the videos already. And now I'm like, but it's okay to redo some. And like, you just got to think about a twist or like a different angle. And so I'm in that Yes, girl repurpose all that content. Don't let it go to waste. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, well, for those of you out there listening who probably already recognize Delian's voice, you're so excited like me. But if anybody anybody out there who's sitting or watching on YouTube who doesn't already know your amazing content, your course, lay the stock market, your Instagram, your TikTok, all that you're following, go ahead and give them a little intro to
1: Delian and your work with Delian, the Money Coach. So I'm Delianne, Delianne Barrows, um, but you may know me as Delian the Money Coach on TikTok and on Instagram. I started my business in January of 2020 when I was starting my own debt-free journey to pay off $150,000 of student loans. So, you know, like a lot of people, I found the debt-free community and then eventually found the financial independence community. And that started, you know, I just fell down that rabbit hole and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe it took me so long, um, you know even though the skin looks good, your girl is 38 going on 39. So I got into this game of very late. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, I feel like I missed the boat. Is it too late for me? I'm like, no, like I also did not have this awakening until I was like 37 years old. Um, so everybody's on their own journey and their own timeline. But basically I started sharing my own personal journey on Instagram about paying off my student loans and how I was going to expand beyond my 401k finally to start investing and learning more. And I'm, I was being really open about it, like sharing numbers, sharing like you know my account balances and everything, and people were like shook, especially people who knew me personally. They're like, "You're just gonna put all of your business out there in the world for right. people to see?" And I'm like, "Yes, like this is how you make this is." It's funny because what a lot of people don't realize, is my page used to be a fitness page, so this is also how I operated with my fitness page. I would show like my weight, I would show my measurements, um, because I just feel like it was accountability for me, it was transparency yep. for my audience, and so I apply the same philosophy to, you know, finance and, you know, the, the, and then I never, you know, expected it to blow up the way it did. It has like the business has grown so much, um, since I launched Slate the Stock Market, which is like a beginner to intermediate course into long-term investing. Right. I don't teach about day trading crypto. Right. I don't focus on any of that. I focus on long-term investing so that people can reach financial independence and retire either early or whenever, right? So the point is right. to just have financial independence at some point in your life. So you don't have to work till the day you die. Um, yes. And so I launched Lay the Stock Market in September, 2020. Um, we're now a year in and we just hit the million dollar, you know, um, revenue mark, which is mm. unbelievable. I never expected that, um, but it just goes to show how hungry people are for this information and how lacking it is in the financial industry. Like it's just like okay. this black box and people are like, Tired of being, you know, all the gatekeeping and all the secrecy around money. And so when somebody comes along, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not the only one, there are many people, but if I'm like the first person that somebody's heard talk about these things, it's like, it's very, uh, it, you know, it's jarring, but it's also life changing. So it's been an incredible um, journey. Obviously, I quit my job three months ago. I went from being a full time attorney to now I'm just a full time entrepreneur. So also my life has had so much change. Um, but yeah, that's, it's just a, a little snippet <laughs> to what's been Excellent. going on in my life. That's
0: amazing. Honestly, the million dollar market is amazing, but also it's not just a testament to people's hunger. It's also a testament to how timely your course was for people because the, when everything happened with COVID in 2020, it was literally such an eye opener for people that they were not prepared financially. They didn't have enough savings. They, they didn't even know how the stock market works. And honestly, people thought the stock market when it crashed in March of 2020, or April probably was really when it was really down, all of a sudden everybody was just like, oh great, we don't know if it's gonna take two years or three years or five years for it to recover. And then it recovered in like three weeks and just went up and up and up and up the rest of 2020. And people were like, wait, the economy and the stock market are not the same thing. And, And that's when people were like, okay, I need to understand the stock market because it's so powerful and it's its own thing. And it's so confusing to people how it's not connected to everyday finances Mm -hmm. in any way. And then I think people really started paying attention. And of course, you know, GameStop and Robinhood and all the things also helped to draw attention to the stock market. But I just think it was so timely for you to have this course that's like, listen, this is not your typical finance bro trying to tell you what to do with, stocks and trading and doing this to try to jump in and make money quick this is a philosophy for your life about how to build wealth in the long term like stop playing games and get your life right (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely and people are like I wish I knew this early I'm like I wish I could I wish I could um travel Ooh. back in time to my 20 year old mm-hmm. self and be like girl <laughs> get index with funds certain. just like right. the two words index funds I didn't even know what That's that was so right true.
0: for so long that is so true. you know it's a crazy funny story and then I'm gonna get into my first question for you which is what is your biggest money regret mm-hmm. um biggest amount of money you spent maybe on a purchase or an experience that you really wish you could go back and take it back. But just while you mentioned index funds, like as a whisper, crazy thing. I remember being like, 17, 18, 19. And I was dating this guy who was like my first, you know, high school sweetheart, serious boyfriend that I brought home. And he worked at the hospital. He was like an x-ray tech. And I remember us being in his room. He was playing video games. And all of a sudden he like got a call from somebody at his job. And he got up and went to look at his papers. And he was like talking to this guy, one of the doctors, the head doctors, the radiologist at the hospital was telling him to take a look at his statements and make sure he was investing in the right mutual funds. And this, you know, it's probably my boyfriend at the time was probably like in his 20s. And so he was on the phone talking about mutual funds. And I remember hearing those words and being like, what the hell is a mutual fund? Like, but I didn't even Google it, write it down, didn't get right. it went through one year, out the other. And it's just so funny now thinking back, I'm like, there are kind of like these little times in your life where there are moments where you should be paying attention and maybe like go research that. Yeah. But we hear things,
1: they're unfamiliar, so we ignore them exactly. instead of digging into right. it. And that's the thing. Right? I'm sure I've heard those words before. I'm sure somebody has talked to me about investing at some point in my yeah. 20s, but yeah. I decided for whatever reason that that doesn't apply to me. Like, exactly. oh, that's not reachable. That's for other people. Like the same way we think about a lot of things like entrepreneurship. 100%. Oh, that person made money, but that's not for me. I used to say right. that all the time that I was a worker bee, that I would yeah. be an employee for the rest of my life. Um, For some reason, I just didn't like, I don't know. Associate I, feel like that with I yourself. don't feel like I, I just, I'm having, you know, uh, this is what they'll say about starting a business, you will have like an identity crisis, because you really have to find yourself in order to like find your business. And right. so I kind of had a little bit of a midlife crisis here to kind of figure out who I am as a person. And I That's can't amazing. believe, you know, I didn't discover this sooner. But it just goes to show like when you put your head down, you're like, I'm just trying to check boxes. I'm just trying to survive this capitalist game. Um, right. You kind of lose, you can lose yourself in the process. So I feel yep. like I'm just finding myself. Um, but as far that. as like a, a money regret, you know, um, I don't kick myself too much about not knowing about investing earlier because, right. um, of course, that's like a regret. Like I wish I knew it earlier. Sure, I wish I started my four hundred one k earlier. Of course, right. but the the point is that I was making so little bit of money, Janelli, in the in the first few years, like from twenty to twenty five, I was struggling so hard that even if somebody had come by and t- told me exactly what investing was and you know how it worked, um, I I don't think I would have been able to like apply it in my life. Like let's be realistic investing is a privilege and not everybody Mm -hmm. can do it. Like this idea of like, just cut expenses enough and everybody can do it. That's not true. You know, like people are struggling, people are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, a lot of people are being underpaid and overworked. And I was definitely in that category. So I give myself some grace because those years I was literally survival mode. You know, I was just Mm -hmm. trying to keep my head above water and that was success enough. I'm so grateful that I've been able to escape that. And, um, but I never, ever forget about it. And I don't look down on people who come to me and they're like look i just can't do it and i'm like no worries like i understand like i'm not here to shame anybody like what would be the 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 point of that right it's so true it's like
0: instead of sitting around and being like well 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 just say okay well what step can you take to try to be on the path so that like maybe a year from now or maybe six months from now that you might be able to spare uh, some you know even if it's 50 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month because it starts small right but the point of, of sitting here being like well I mean, there was a conversation on Instagram literally this week about it, about how, you know, when you post something, like even if you make $35,000 a year, you can still take 10% of every check and put it away and and it's like, why do we make these blanket statements you yeah. don't know what that person's situation is you don't know what they're going through you don't know their responsibilities yeah. who they have to care for who how many people are supported by that thirty-five thousand salary yeah. you don't know so why are you making these blanket statements that everybody can take 10 percent? no you don't know that for everybody and you don't yeah. know everybody's situation so i try to approach it the same way as you where i'm like if you can do this do this if you right. can't what can you do to put yourself on a path so that in six months or in a year you can take that first step it it doesn't have to be today, but let, let's think about, it. let's like make a plan because action right. is more
1: important than complaining. Let's try at least not to harm ourselves, you know, like rack up the mm-hmm. credit card debt or do something, you know, like like anything that would be harmful, right? So right, one thing right. that I, I was thankfully able to do, even when I was broke, quote unquote broke, um, you know, is maintain my credit in a really good place, which yes. set me up in the future when I finally did start getting a little bit more income. At least my credit was like whole, right? Which a lot of people... They they can't even do that. They have to like repair the that. credit. They have to do a lot of work before they can get to that place of like equal level again. So um, yeah, I'm just I try to help people wherever they are. I try to come to them wherever they are. I don't try to drag people into where I am. Right. And I and I think you have also
0: a unique experience. Okay. The next question is going to be the flip side of that. So what's the time where you spent a lot of money? Like maybe it was a super extravagant expensive purchase or financial decision but it was worth it for you and you you don't regret it you never will regret it um so that's coming up next but um i just want to hit this point of like your perspective is so fresh in the space is so important and like i i always saw that for myself too like when i was looking at other youtubers in 2015 i found like mike and lauren and i found i don't know if people know these people but they're a youtube couple they're young white couple from florida who were super frugal who were like all about you know um like i remember one video she did where she cleaned her stove with a lemon she cut the lemon in half and use the half a lemon to like she's like this is how I'm so frugal like I save money by cleaning my stove with a lemon peel. and I was like yeah damn like she's doing the most like that's so extreme but I I, there were some lessons I still took from them because they were in their early 20s and they set themselves up by following JL Collins advice from the simple path to wealth and they have actually a framework with him where they talk about long-term investing and thinking about index funds and I learned so much from them but I felt like I didn't relate to them, the way they talk, the way they act, they're so like, they're so Christian and wholesome. And like, I was like, you know what, like, that's fine, if that's your thing. But like, that is not how I am at all. And I just felt like, let me be them. But for yeah. the people that don't relate to them, same content, same ideas, you know, same inspiration, but with my flavor. Yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. And I think you have that too, because you have the immigrant experience, which is huge in understanding that everybody yeah. doesn't have that same uh, opportunity everybody doesn't have the same access everybody doesn't start at the same playing level in the same playing field so i think that w- that's really what helps you to have that fresh perspective yeah. but um so before we get to your extravagant purchase tell us a little bit about like because you you know you have that immigrant experience and you yeah. talk a lot about it a lot about this on your instagram but tell us about like, your backstory a little bit
1: yeah so i was born in brazil um and we moved to the united states my mom and my other other little sister. We moved to the United States when I was eight years old. Um, I actually grew up in Miami. And then I moved to New York when I got into law school. So it was always my dream to move to New York. And I finally did that in 2005. And honestly, I can't believe it. I, I like, it's such a stereotype, but I'm like, I made it. I made it there. I can make it anywhere. Yeah. You know, I lived in New York for 15 years. I put myself through college, through law school, uh, became an attorney in like a high powered, you know, Park Avenue. I had I had the corner office in Park Avenue. Like it was such a, <laughs> I felt like I was in okay. my own room. Like yes. The movie. Yeah, Except without the guy, always, always single, <laughs> perpetually single is my, is my status. Um, but anyway, I did the thing there and it was, it was such a big accomplishment to like go from undocumented immigrant. Cause I was undocumented for many years, um, for almost 15 years oh. to go from undocumented immigrant to, you know, um, established attorney making $200,000 a year, but then also realizing that I was completely miserable, right? Like Mm. completely miserable. And this is not unique to me. Lots of attorneys (laughs) hate their jobs. I just fell into the same trappings as everybody else. I thought that you needed a six-figure salary to like, you know, uh, build wealth. I thought that Mm -hmm. you needed um, a a certain job title to have, um, uh, what is it? Like, Uh, Pride and to like, you know, be fulfilled in yourself and to be able to help people. I had all of these like preconceived notions of like what it is to be successful. And I soon realized that that was none of that was true. And it was just, you know, what society feeds us. I had nothing. Right. Se- I had no experience to go off of in my personal life. Like literally I was the first person to go to college in my family. So I had no mentors. I had no one to go to. I am modeling what I see around me. And people are saying, go to school, become a professional and go get that job and go hustle. Find the corporate climb ladder the corporate ladder. Like, and then you buy a property and then that's how you build wealth. Like literally I was checking literally the list, like just trying to check it off. And so where things ground to a halt, it was like when I was trying to buy property, cause you know, New York city is insane. <laughs> property girl girl. I tried three different times fell through each time I even had a. well that was a blessing in disguise then because exactly and that's gonna feed into the question that you asked me which is like what is the most extravagant thing that I've spent on and that has been rent (laughs) because (laughs) yes if you live in New York City you know that rent eats up all of your income such a huge chunk of your income but I'm a homebody I'm an introvert believe it or not so for me my home is like where I get my power, where I replenish, where I get my energy, you know, it's how I balance myself. And I lived with a roommate one time and it was the most miserable experience of my life. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like it's not for me, but also homeownership turned out to not be for me either. Like I'm the type of person where I um, value flexibility. I want to be able to get up and go. And I moved. (laughs) Nine times while I was living in New York City, because that's how much I love living in different neighborhoods. Neighborhoods, yeah. So I would move from like Brooklyn to Queens to I lived in Jersey City, I lived in Hoboken, I lived in White Plains, mm-hmm. I lived everywhere. And I like that. I, I'm able to do that with renting. So coming to terms with the fact that, like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to be a homeowner and I can build wealth in other ways without being a homeowner and that Mm. I can still rent below my means and have the flexibility that I like and build wealth. That was like such a revelation for me. Right. And that all, and to this day, I still rent, even though I could easily afford to buy, because again, I'm on the move, right? I'm planning to move to Portugal. I'm not trying to tie myself down here. I will probably eventually buy when I get to Portugal, but renting to me is, um, is like what speaks to me. It's like what fits into my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people are shocked to hear that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause how? That's so true. What? People How? are like, what do you mean you don't want a house? But, the, but having a house, the white picket
0: fence, it's the American dream. Right. What do you mean? You know what? It's so true. I, I am the same way. Like I'm still renting. I split with my boyfriend. We uh, split rent for a two bedroom apartment in Miami, which is crazy because we we pay the same amount of rent we were paying for a one bedroom in New York, New Jersey area. So it. we're able to still spend the same amount, which is in our case, like in my case, because we split the rent. My rent is 15 14 or 15% of my total monthly income. And so when people say to me like, oh my gosh, like you, you guys spend so much on rent. I'm like, yeah. first of all, we are not a we, he handles his finances and I handle mine. <laughs> okay, first of all. And second of all, uh, you know, when I look at how much I pay every month towards rent, it's only 15% of my monthly income. If I was if I was um owning, I wouldn't have the flexibility that I have, even if I was able to manage to get a mortgage around that same amount. Yeah. I still wouldn't have the flexibility that I have. And I am really social. I'm like the opposite of an introvert. So like being able to have a shared pool and a shared gym and like being able to have a shared workspace in these buildings that offer these like amenities has been really cool for us. We're in our thirties. We don't have kids. Like this is a great time for us to be making friends, networking, meeting people. And we can't do that in a big old house by ourselves. So it just it's so true that you have to think about your lifestyle, your preferences, what feeds you and gives you energy and then match, create the lifestyle that matches that and helps you thrive because you can build wealth no matter what, whether it's real estate, whether it's investing in the stock market, whether it's a business wealth is, there are many ways, pathways to wealth. So you don't have to see it as the house is the only way, but unfortunately in America, a lot of people do.
1: And I'm not anti-home ownership, like, especially yeah. with Latinos, we've been able to, like, build so much wealth through home ownership right. and through That's building right. businesses. I think we're just missing, like, that third step, which is, like, the investing, right? That's right. And so that, what, that leads to diversification of our wealth, and again, in 2020, we saw so many small businesses get hit, so many people lose their jobs. Um, thankfully, you know, the housing market has been fine, um, but you saw that you saw the disparity, like, wow, even though people are losing their jobs, the economy is not doing great. The stock market was like surging. Right. So if you're diversified in your, in your assets, if you're spreading your money around, if something else goes down, like your business shuts down, you're still making money because you got money in the market. Right. And that's, so that's, that's what I want to see the Latino people doing more of is more diversification because we've done a great job of like over concentrating in certain areas, but we're missing that third piece. Right. And the, and, but that's the thing that the
0: problem is we've done a great job of over-concentrating, but you're not supposed to over-concentrate. So because we've done a great job yeah. at that, we're actually doing bad. <laughs> like we're doing yeah. a bad thing because yeah. you can't over-concentrate any one area. That's the opposite of diversification. Yeah. And I actually read a statistic. I think it was from right before COVID. So 2019, the average um, Latinx family in America had 39% of their net worth mm. tied up in their home, their primary mm. home at 39%. Like and then of course i don't like comparing ourselves constantly to like rich white elite people or whatever but when you do look at the the top 1% the top 5% oh, yeah. 10% and you see how they what like the what studies show they do with their money they mm. have a little pie not one of the pieces of the pie is nowhere near 39% like no one piece is ever more than like 20 or 25% right. of their total net worth they never put more than a quarter in any one area and yet we On average, 39%, which means some people put more than that. And that's really scary because in any one thing happens to the housing market, almost 50% of your entire net worth takes a hit. And that is so painful, you know, and and same thing with the stock market, like putting everything in the stock market is also not true diversification. So when we talk about these things, I think that's the opportunity for people to go like, oh, huh, like, I guess I never really considered that as, you know, like the the pie on, you know, my my net worth and where my money is all split should be like a plate of food where you have all the colors and the protein and this and that. You have to have it really diversified in order to actually be doing things savvy with your money.
1: Yeah. It goes back to that thing. You know, when people say, oh, um, buying a home is the best investment. Usually people saying that it's because it's their only investment. Right. That's so right. that's why they love it. Oh, so they know much they're like, oh, my God, it's the only thing that I've truly poured money into. And so it paid back. Well, that makes sense. That's what investments are. Right. You pour your wealth into it. It grows in value and you you recover some, you know, the money. But the point is that like there are many, like, like you said, there are many ways to do that. Um, homeownership is not the only one. I hear that girl
0: preach. And I also <laughs> think it's because I think a lot of people also just um they don't know what they don't know. And and if it worked for them, they assume it's gonna work for everybody else. We we are so bad at like understanding and and incorporating this idea of like how much luck played a role in things. Because when you look at data and just actually make an informed decision based on like what the information that you're looking at says, on average, the stock market makes like maybe 3% per year a return on investment, right? Whereas when you think about the stock market, it's like three or four times that on average for for any given decade. But when people look at their lives, they're not making decisions based on data constantly, which is how we should make decisions. But you know, we're humans, not computers. But it's still like when you have these kind of conversations where you say, well, homeownership actually on average only does 3%. The people who get really lucky, who really hit those markets that tend to get gentrified or tend to go booming and become the next hot spot. Like, great. Those people get lucky. But across the country, how many areas really are, are popping off like that? It's most people are not going to be able to tap into that unless
1: they're actively
0: constantly doing work to find that next market. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, work.
1: People, oh, they love it. Whenever I post about the stuff, they like they will chime in with their own. um, experience and be like but this is what happened to me and look how much money I make and I always respond the same way I'm like your anecdotal um, experience your individual experience does not invalidate like statistics like that is not you know like statistics are still like real data is still real so I'm glad that it worked out for you as an individual but I'm talking about like the you know the average average person and that's like it just goes to show how difficult sometimes, I mean, we're all self-centered in a way, right? Listen, we're all like, we're all playing the main character in our own movie. So I, I get it. But like, try to once in a while, step outside of yourself Hold and back. be like a greater experience because, yes. you know, your individual experience is unique to you. Um, that is so true. So, that yeah. is so true. Just constantly trying to remind people of that. <laughs>
0: yeah and it's so hard to do because you're literally just zoomed into your own life and the people that you know and it's such a small thing compared to the entire world let alone like you know thinking about most people just think about the country in the U.S. but like think about globally too like the experiences outside of your own most people don't have that experience so it's really hard for you to kind of understand that and think like oh yeah I guess my experience is kind of either an outlier or not you know not as common because that's all you know so it's
1: it's hard for you to think of it as unusual or that's why out I'm of the such a, a proponent of travel. I think if more people yes. traveled, we would have a lot less problems in this world. Let Like tell somebody oh, tells yeah. me that they don't have a passport or an expired passport, I like cry. I'm like, no, how I is the so passport? So sad for you. Please, like <laughs> travel. I mean. You know, obviously my experience as an immigrant alone has given me that perspective, but even, Mm -hmm. you know, more so traveling, seeing how other people are living in other countries, going outside of the resorts to actually see how people live in these countries, that gives you so much perspective and like gratitude, right? right, So travel, please. I I mean, obviously- Hopefully, when things are better.
0: <laughs> I know. Right now, we're kind of limited a little bit. I'm not like yeah, but
1: but when things are so better, right. traveling I think is something that will uh, heals people.
0: That's absolutely right. I mean, I, I think a lot of the trips that I've taken where I've had the opportunity to meet genuine, regular people that just live in these places, it's been such an eye opener for me. Like depending on where I am, it's either really humbling in the fact that I get to walk away being like, wow, I'm so grateful because I recognize that while so many people are, you know, happy and all these things, like the quality of life that I have access to is so much higher than most people. And I don't remember, like when I'm in my own little world, I just, it's hard to, to, uh, you know, keep that top of mind. You tend to forget. And that, um, I think the 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 phrase is the hedonic treadmill, where at first it's like really great, and then you get used to it, and it's like, oh, this is just my life, and you don't realize that you live pretty extravagantly compared to everybody else in the rest of the world. Absolutely. Um, So I I actually agree
1: about travel, but there's all it's funny because there's also the other side of it where other countries are doing things better than us. So Mm. because you know Americans. I love, you know, I know we're very proud of the things that we That's do right, here, right. but I'm like, we are not the best at everything. There are other 100%. countries doing things way better than us. And when you travel to another country and you see that, it's eye-opening. You're like, oh, we That's should nice. be asking more of our government. We should be asking more of people in leadership. Um, mm-hmm. you can be proud of your country and still be able to give want it to be better of, and want it yes. to be expensive. It's <laughs> yes. not, you know, anti-patriotic to want more. So um, isn't that what we're taught here to want more to like strive for the best. Right. So when I travel to other countries and I see how they're handling things like health care, homelessness, um, parental leave, supporting parents, Mm -hmm. right, transportation, infrastructure. And I'm just like, yeah, we could do school system.
0: The school, it, right. there's so many, so many areas too, where we can look to others to learn, but yeah, you're right. It's, there's a lot of cockiness when it comes to American culture and us thinking that our systems are the best already. And it's yeah. like, okay, you know, chip on your is not really going to help you. And that ego is, is really going to just get in the way of you progressing and making the country better wow. in general. Um, now, okay. You were recently on the news and I, I'm so happy for you because I know you mentioned that, that was one of your goals that you wrote down. And then it actually happened like pretty early on in the year yes. where you were on the news broadcast and you were st- talking specifically about the fire movement and what it would mean for somebody to decide that they want to retire early. Now you're big into fire. You, you've pursued fire. You are all about financial independence and Talking about like how there's a lot of people that think early retirement is just gonna lead to like boredom, and it's like that's just really sad. That just means that you don't really have passions and haven't figured out what you would want to do yeah. if you weren't forced to go to work every day for a check. So um, I think this idea is controversial for that reason. But one of the things that also makes it controversial in the news clip, I noticed that the the news news broadcaster guy he had a little bit of like a uh, yeah. he, was, he, he did a jab ashamed. he jab it was, was some shade, and I was like, bro, uh-huh. like you're really just like. He, yep. had, he had this tone about him. And I, I mean, I'm not going to say what he said verbatim because I don't remember, but the general tone of him was like, well, of course, Delian, you can do this because you're a lawyer and you're making all this money. So mm-hmm. how could you come up here and say that anybody can do this when you, you actually need to be making six figures to do this? Right. And I keep seeing that. Like people use that criticism about the fire movement, that it's not realistic for everybody, that you have to be making six figures. Now, of course, it's not attainable for everybody and anybody because there are thresholds where, yes, that is true. This is sensible yeah. in this much money, but it doesn't have to be six figures. So- Can you talk about that? Just like this idea that people think fire is like still for these like white tech guys who work for companies in Silicon Valley, making six figures out the gate, working for nine or 10 years and then retiring. And it's like that that is how it started. And that is that was very common at the beginning. But I think the movement has really grown.
1: And you're a testament to that, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I will
1: never, you know, deny that income is a huge player, you know, in this. I will never deny that. I will never deny the fact that like, I was making six figures as an attorney, that I'm making, you know, uh, multiple six figures now as an entrepreneur. Um, But the idea of financial independence, and that's why like, I love the the financial independence piece. Like everybody should be pursuing financial independence. Whether or not you want to retire Retire. early Mm -hmm. is optional. It's up to you. And what I tell people is like, because there are, there are people where they're like, oh, I just discovered this. I'm 50 years old. Can I retire in 10 years? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Again, it depends, depends on your income. But <laughs> even if you can't, I'm like, why wouldn't you invest anyway? What if you could, instead of working 40 hours a week, you could work 20 hours a week? And when I put it like that, they're like, oh. I never thought about it that way because people are all or nothing. We're very black and white, so true. either retire or keep working the same, the level that I'm working. And I'm like, no, there's like, it's so a many spectrum. <laughs> yes, there's so many levels to this. And I'm like, what if, what if you could take a year sabbatical? You just told your job, Hey, I'm going to take a one year unpaid leave and I'll be back. You know, yes. obviously not every employer is going to be okay with that, but have you even thought of proposing? What if you could even propose that? Right. 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 Like that confidence to ask for something like that comes from you being on the path of financial independence. When you, what I realized the most that I got out of learning how to invest and grow my wealth is it gave me so much confidence as an employee. It allowed me to go to my boss and push back on things that I didn't want to do. Cause I was Mm. the, I was the classic example of do not rock the boat employee like do not rock the boat girl you need this paycheck do not rock the but boat. latinas
0: are like that i think a lot of times many of us are like that because we've been socialized to be yes. like that like we we overwork we work so hard we have you know to make our parents proud especially if we are immigrant or immigrant adjacent it's like this this super hard work ethic mentality where your boss tells you to do something you do it and you do it better than what he expected because or she expected because you 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 have to like knock it out of the park every time so you can like overperform
1: and people please that in the workplace like, i think it's a so part toxic. of imposter syndrome honestly yes i think like oh oh my God, I don't belong here. So let me overcompensate. And so we go for all of these certifications, the qualifications, all the extracurriculars, girl, I did it all right. I was at my firm doing all the extras and still not being recognized for all the work that I was doing. And I, you know, it took a lot for me to finally realize that and be like, I'm killing myself for no reason here. This is ridiculous. So anyway, so financial independence fire. um, Like I always say, the five part, the financial independence piece is for everyone, especially even if people are like, I love my job, I can never see myself walking away from it. I'm like, that's great. First of all, that's you're winning winning at life. If that's you, congratulations. (laughs) But also you, there's no guarantee that you're going to get to do that until your ex ex age, right? People are like, I'm just going to do this on 65 and then I'll retire. And I'm like, there's no guarantee. Like I'm an employment attorney. I saw people who are very um, you know, um, experienced, went above and beyond for their companies, so much loyalty to the company. And guess what? They got laid off as if they were like, you know, a clerk in the mail, ro- mail room. Like people don't care. There's no guarantee right. that you're going to have that job until 65. Age discrimination is very real in this country, especially mm. against women, especially against women of color. So, I don't want anybody just sitting back being like, I'm good. I've got this income for the next 20 to 30 years. I don't need to worry about financial independence. Yes, you do. Right. And if COVID hasn't taught you that, like if this whole pandemic hasn't taught you that, I don't know what will. Um, Sorry. I'm
0: oh,
1: <laughs> Right. So if like the pandemic hasn't taught you that. I don't know what will because we saw how many, how it caught so many people by surprise. So that actually happens in a much smaller version in people's lives. Right. All the time. COVID just is something that it happens to a lot of people all at once, but this happens in people's lives all the time. People that's get so surprised true. all the time. So, um, that's why for me, I'm so passionate about it. Whether or not you want to retire early, I could care less. I yeah. honestly, it's, that's like, that's if investing is a privilege, retiring early is like the next level. So that I, totally so true. That.
0: And, and, but the interesting thing is that when people actually, it, when people say things like that, like the retire early part, is not realistic. It's not this, it's not successful. It's like, I know that you haven't actually like dove in for more than 15 minutes, because when you do, you realize that most of the really heavy hitters in the space are not talking about retiring early to like go move to Naples, Florida and kick their feet up on a hammock and not work like they there. That's not what this movement is about. This movement is about reclaiming your time to do what you want with it. And a lot of times that does include passion projects that do create and generate income. So you're technically are working, but it doesn't feel like work when you're doing it because you want to do it and not yeah. because you have to. So yeah, technically retire early is like loosely, it, it essentially loosely being used to show that like, you don't have to work if you don't want to, but if you choose to, you can. And so I like prefer the term work optional. And I always, you know, I really wish it was like if I will, like financial independence yeah. work optional, because relax
1: early. Ooh, like, I love early. that because oh, I'm like, I, I love that Just relax your constraints around work yes, you know it doesn't yes. have to be a nine to five it doesn't have to be it could be another nine to five that pays less maybe there's another job that you always wanted but you could not could not take because it paid less. Um, maybe yes. you want to work a part-time and then volunteer maybe you finally want to start a business whatever it's just it's yes. about the flexibility around your life that's so true. that's the beauty of it and I have seen people accomplish fire at all income levels, right? But again, not to say like, no matter how much money you're making, everybody can do it. Those people, did they make sacrifices? Did they make, um, of course they did, right? Like it takes sacrifice to save and invest for the future. Um, So it just depends on how quickly you wanna get to it and how much you need to live off of. That's the other thing. Like, what is your lifestyle? Like if you have a very lavish, expensive lifestyle, yeah, you're gonna need a lot more money saved up. But if you have a very moderate, it doesn't have to be frugal, but very moderate lifestyle, um, then you need less,
0: right? Yeah. Um, And that was, I think that was a hard part for me was like when I was sitting down and like doing I did I didn't um, ever identify with like fire fully because a lot of my family is going to always depend on me and I feel like I would have to retire all of us if it was I was being like real right because I have eight I'm bringing my mom with me Plus- Right. And I'm like, when I think about your situation, I'm like, yeah, I would totally do that. If it was me and my mom or like even, you know, me and a sibling and my mom, like in my case, I'm like, is mommy, is daddy, is my eight brothers and sisters, it's me, it's the nieces and nephews, it's the husbands and wives of all the siblings. I'm like, oh my. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I know my family's going to in some way, shape or form, especially my parents rely on me for support. So I have to kind of include that in my specific financial plan. So when I'm thinking ahead, I'm like, okay, like, well, how much is reasonable? And so then I'm like, okay, I could be super frugal and live like off of just a little bit every month because I'm super minimal. But let let me be realistic about like the amount that i want and then also a cushion so that i can support my you know my loved ones and that's why for me it was like i i I couldn't just do like a million or 1.25 mil because it would it would like even though most people could do that if if at my age and being single for me i had to kind of go a little bit higher because i'm trying to think about be realistic about my life in 10 15 20 years but i think that's just so hard for people to do they can't even think about what they're going to do next week let alone in 10 years in 20 years imagine their life so The more we can do that, like normalize picturing yourself in two years, in five years, in seven years, in 10, in 15, in 20. And what are the subtle differences between those stages? And be be super comfortable talking about that, saying what you want it to be, changing it every now and then. That's totally fine. I think people are scared to say something. And then like other people heard them say that in five years, they want to, and then they think, oh, but then if I change my mind, so freaking why you can change your mind anytime you want.
1: That's so funny. (laughs) That's I'm so like that because I. I think your word is very powerful. I don't know if you've ever read The Four Agreements. It's yes. an amazing book, right? So it's like yes. your word is, is is your bond. And so I I live. I try to live by that. Um, so I'm the kind of person where when I say I'm going to do something, my friends already know this about me. They're like, you're already halfway done. But like, because I'm already there in my mind. <laughs> For you mind, to say right? it, right. <laughs> so, um, but I, again- have to give myself grace. Like you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to like, you know, do things differently. Like, and I think that again, financial independence has given me like that flexibility because I felt so trapped in my nine to five. I felt like you know, Oh my God, I put myself through law school. How can I walk away from this degree? How can I walk away from this title? Um, it was almost like I was throwing everything away. Right. Um, but then I was like, no, like I'm still going to be a uh, valuable to society without this mm. job title. Like I can still contribute. There are still other paths for me to, you know, make money and help people and do all the things that I've dreamt of doing for forever. Um, right. and so giving yourself that grace is what's, what's important. But the other thing you said about family again, I have my fire number for myself, but I also have a fire number for me and my mom. So what I call family fire.
0: I love Um, that you, I love that you made that term family fire. I was like, I, I think (laughs) we need to talk about that for the entire Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month. (laughs) Family fire needs to be like the conversation every day for that whole month. I agree, it's so you know? appropriate for our it's community. like
1: so important for the whole family to be included in the conversation yes. for us all to be yes. talking about it like I send my mom a, a money every month that covers her expenses I could be sending her a lot more money but I tell her I'm like mom the reason why I don't send you even more money is because I'm investing it for us for our future so i i include her in my plans I tell her what I'm doing um my mom doesn't asked for any of this right she's like what no. uh, Portugal tell me where to show up she's like I have no idea no problem but i I like to include her in it so like I want, I want to extend the security that I'm feeling. I want to extend it to her. I want her to feel, you know, secure and feel, um, cause my mom has never had that luxury, you know, like once my parents got divorced when I was like 14, that security, that sense of, you know, safety disappeared. And so if I can restore even a little bit of that for her, like what better gifts can you give somebody, right. Than the the gift of security and being able to sleep at night with without stressing. Right. So That's to great. me, I'm like, money has already served its purpose by just doing that. Like anything above that is like luxury. <laughs> That's right. It's the cherry on top. It's like, we yeah. don't really need that.
0: Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I have so many things I want to talk about, but I'm going to, I'm going to do like two or three more. Cause otherwise we'll be here for four hours, which I would love, but of course is so long for a podcast. Um, but you, you are really big into passive investing. And I mean, you remember my workshop from on um, finances in fuego. That's, what I teach. That's what I preach. That's the philosophy that I follow myself. And I always get so frustrated when, you know, people are like, the, the only way to make money is to actively be constantly buying and selling and following the trends and looking for the money. And it's like, it's just like, it's so frustrating because every single empirical study shows the opposite to be true. And again, going back to that point that we as humans don't really make data driven decisions because we're not computers, but we should be. And when in this case, it's so especially important because every single piece of evidence shows that the more you trade, the more likely you are to lose money and in the long run, and it doesn't serve you financially, it actually hurts you. So it's just so frustrating. And I think the big thing is, of course, it's nothing sexy about index investing. But, um, you know, it just it just kind of it's just an interesting thing to write. Think about what what are the motivations for people that choose to do the active route. Um, now, the other day I was at dinner and it, my boyfriend and I went on a double date. And the guy who was on the double date with us, that's not my boyfriend. He was like, we were talking about investing. He's like, I worked in banking. I work here and there. And I was like, oh, cool. Tell me about like, what's your investing philosophy? I'm always curious. And he was like, oh, just actively managed ETFs is like my thing. And I was like, actively managed? Uh Interesting. Tell me why. Because I'm all about passive (laughs) ETFs. I was like, tell please, like I'm all about passively managed ETFs. Tell me why active. And then he said, his literally, and I quote him, that he wants someone to take the duds out of his portfolio, mm-hmm. and he used the example of Kodak. He was like, "Think about it. If you invest in every company in America, you're investing in Kodak. Why are you investing in Kodak? Kodak is literally just surviving off of its brand recognition and its name. Mm-hmm. It's not contributing anything new. It's not innovative. It's gonna be, it's gonna shut down in what ten? Years? I give it five, ten years. Like who knows? But it's not gonna be around very long. It's not a good investment. So why would I have that in my portfolio? When you index, you catch all, and I don't want all. I want the duds out, mm-hmm. and having somebody to take out the duds. And I was like, you know, actually." I've never heard anybody say that I've only ever heard people say, mm-hmm. I want to pick the best. I want the winners. I never heard anybody say, I want to take the losers out, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which was an interesting perspective. Like he focused on that and not the, yeah. like the winners. So that was interesting to me, but I wanted to put that out there to you and see why, why do you, what do you think about that comment? First of all. And then what do you think about people who just can't accept that the easier way is actually the best way in this case. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go ahead.
1: I'll let yeah. you. And know. by people, we mean men, right? Uh, mostly men, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, tell me because about Because <laughs> men love active trading. My God. Um, and listen, it's not um, a coincidence that it correlates with gambling behaviors. If you look that's at the true. data between gaming and gambling, um, both electronic, virtual, and in-person gambling, it, it's almost an overlapped graph between active trading and gambling. So um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Um. So as far as what he says, I completely disagree with it, because that's the beauty of index fund investing. It's self-cleaning, right? It is a self-cleaning thing. So to actually be included in the index, your company has to be performing at a certain level. And for instance, if you're investing in an S&P 500, you know, index fund to be included in the S&P 500, which means you're the top 500 companies in America. Already a large cap. You're right. already crushing it, right? And and if you're not, if you don't keep on crushing it, guess what? You get kicked out. This isn't like a lifetime appointment. Like as soon as you start, you know, underperforming, you get kicked out. When Tesla came into the index, it kicked out two massive companies. So this is a self-cleaning process. You don't need to worry about the duds. Also, it's weighted, right? It's always weighted. So if you look at, at an S&P 500 index fund, it's not that you own 100% equal portions of all 500 of all stocks. It's weighted to the most successful ones. So even if you do have a little percentage of a company that isn't performing so great, it's a much smaller percentage than an Apple or an Amazon or a Google, right? So Facebook, right? Every time somebody has an argument that their active trading strategy is better than an index fund, I'm like, eh, try again. Okay. So just admit (laughs) that you like active trading. That's more honest to me. Just admit that you like active trading, admit that you want to pick funds admit that, that, that somehow you get a kick out of it, which I don't understand how it gives me nothing but anxiety to pick individual stocks, but just admit that. Instead of trying to like create some strategy behind it, because it's yeah. not true. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I, girl, that is so true. And that is so true, especially in the world of ETFs. Most people in, you know, are looking for uh, industries or sectors that they really like vibe with, that they support, that they're excited about when they're investing in index funds or ETFs. And it's so interesting because his argument was really only true for a total stock market fund. Right. That's the only time where it, his point is kind of valid in every other case, which is most other index, everything right. that's not a total market fund. That's not true. So you're absolutely right. right. Yeah. I love that breakdown. Um, all right, girl, I got you recently hit some incredible milestones. You talked about your um, million dollar revenue uh, from Slay the Stock Market course, which is incredible. You hit 100K on Instagram recently, almost 200K on TikTok. Any day now, you're going to be 200K on TikTok. Tell us, like, What's the day in the life of and the money coach? Like you're constantly keeping up with content creation, also like obviously serving the students of your of your course. It's a lot. Like, and of course, now that you're not working, it's probably so much more manageable yes. and much more um enjoyable. But just yes. day in the life of Delian, what is that like? Yes. I mean, you, you also give us a day of your life every day on Instagram,
1: I feel pretty like pretty much. But, I'm but like, like you guys, I bring you with me pretty much every yes, time I'm doing anything. Which I love. I love yes. that. But anyway, um, yeah. I'm very, you know. So first of all when it comes to the period of when I launched my business to today like it's complete it's a very drastic change when you're first starting starting out a business Um, I don't know. This is my experience. I I turned into a workaholic. I didn't realize I was a workaholic until I started my business. And that happens when you find something that's like in your zone of genius and you actually love, you just want to spend all time, all of your time doing it. And you can do that for a period of time, but you cannot do that forever. Like you will burn out even if you love it. So, um, if you don't put in systems in place, if you don't hire people, if you don't get help, if you don't, you know, slow something down and concentrate and focus, um, you're going to burn out. doesn't matter. So passion is not enough here. Okay. Passion will get you started, but it's not going to be for the long-term. It's just like a relationship. Oh. So oh. anyway, um, so I'm always, again, very honest that the first year of my business, um, there was no, bo- no work-life balance. I was hundred percent like either doing my nine to five or I was running my business. So the fact that I had such escalated fast growth is because of that. I put my head down in 2020 and I just worked nonstop and it was a good year to do it because obviously there wasn't anything else to do. (laughs) So I just put all my energy into my business and I did not leave my house. Okay. I stayed home like you were supposed to, and I just worked on my business and that's what happened again. Don't ever want to like put. That onus on anybody else. I don't have a family. I don't have kids. Um, I don't have any responsibilities other than myself and my dog. So mm-hmm. I would never go to a, a mom who has three kids and be like, hey, mom, you do the exact same thing I did and you'll have the same results. Like that shit is not realistic. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm very aware of that. Um, but today, my life is a lot more balanced than God. Um, why? Like I said, because I put systems in place, a lot of stuff is running on automatic. Um, also, If I did not mention this already, um, I had a coach also, like I'm big into coaching. My sister is a business coach, um, Natalia Copeland. I speak social. She's a business coach. She coached me from day one. So she's the person who like taught me how to put these systems in place. So I create all my own content. I do everything. But she taught me about systems and funnels and sales, things that you never think about when you're starting a business. I'm like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. selling is an art form. So if you don't have somebody to teach you how to do these things, you're fumbling and you're just trying to do like trial and error. I got to skip all that because I had somebody helping me. Right. Wow. So anyway, but even with somebody helping me, it was still a ton of work. But today, um, much more a balanced life. I have 100 percent control over my schedule. Thank God. It's the first time in my life that I've experienced that. Um, you know, if I want to have meetings, I set up meetings. If I don't want to have any meetings for a week, I have no meetings. Um, I just took a vacation um, a few days ago for 10 days. I didn't. I didn't have to ask anybody for permission, and I didn't have to put in PTO. You know, it was all me. It was amazing. Um, so my life is a lot more flexible, but it's also very simple. Like I take my dog for long walks. I listen to podcasts. I go to the beach. I read. Um, and so for me, when people are like oh, um, what am I going to do in retirement? I'm like, you need to explore your hobbies. Like, who do you you love? love I can't tell you what you love.
0: You know what you love. Do what you love. Do what you love. Plant, garden, read, play with kids,
1: volunteer, go to church. I don't know what you love. I get it. And if you've worked, you know, 50, 60 hours, most of your life, you haven't had time to explore who you are. So again, not judging people for that. Like I get it, but I'm trying to like, like kind of like alert, alert, like you need to figure this out because what happens is a lot of people do retire in their sixties and they become depressed because they never took the time to find themselves before retirement came. So actually people, um, I read a statistic the other day that people fear retirement more than death. And I'm Mm. like, that makes me so sad Right. So we need. So I'm trying to change that either by just talking about it, having people start thinking about it, like have your midlife crisis now, figure your shit out now before you get to the end. Um, But my life. Yeah. in my life, um, the things that bring me joy is traveling, you know, um, live live events, going to music events comedy shows, anything like that. Like, that's where I spend my money. I don't really care about material things that much. Um, So my money doesn't really go to fancy materialistic things. I don't buy a lot of tchotchkes for my house. Um, I keep my life really simple. And once you find out what you value and what you love, I don't know, things just start falling into place, you know? That's right. You would never even ask, what would I do? Because you you wouldn't think
0: to ask that question because you would have the answer immediately. You wouldn't even doubt, like, what you would do with your time. And that's such a good point. And I also think you're not just you're not just trying to solve that problem by, you know, bringing up this conversation, you're modeling it. Like every time I watch you, I'm like, this is hashtag goals. Like this is literally where you create your life the way that you want it to be. And you literally get up and do whatever the hell you want. And, you know, and, and obviously you, you need some structure and you need to have some discipline. If you're going to live a life that's like fruitful for you, that you have routines in place and that, you know, your health and your fitness and your financial goals and, you know, what you're doing socially to, get your energy, all those things have to be put in place and you need some sort of like, you know, uh, discipline and, and consistency. But you, you know, you kind of get that as you go on with your life and you're adulting. Most yeah. people, once you start hashtag adulting, you you learn how to have that kind of structure in your life, in your day. Or, you know, once you become a parent, because if you didn't learn when you were a childless, yeah. a child will quickly teach you about routines yeah. and consistency and discipline. So
1: exactly. Yeah. And so for me, it's just, I'm just so... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm also learning who I am now in this space, because again, I have been working a nine to five for as long as I can remember. I've been working since I was 15 years old. So this is the first time that I like, I don't have a boss. I don't have a nine to five. It's I'm 100% control over my life. In a lot of ways, I'm, I am financially independent, right? Like I did it. Like I reached the Mecca of like what you hope to reach. So um, who am I now in this space? Like that's what I'm exploring. And also what kind of partner do I want to attract into this new life that I'm living? Because that's mm brand new to me. Right. So how do I approach that conversation? Also talking to people about what I do and like what my life is like, that's all brand new to me. This is all brand new territory. And so um, lots, I think I'll have content for a long time because there's so much to talk about. Um, It's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Yeah.
0: I love that. Well, um, two last questions, and then we'll wrap up. One is any advice for aspiring and current content creators who are trying to avoid burnout, because you mentioned burnout, you're like, it's gonna happen if you don't put in some some systems. Um, So maybe that would, you know, systems is already one tip you've mentioned, but any other advice for them? And then the last one is a money mantra that you want to wrap up the show with uh, before we end. So those are the two two last things. Yeah.
1: So for, you know, um, social media, Find what drives more with you. Don't try to force yourself to do things that you don't want to do. A lot of people are like, I don't want to dance around on TikTok. Is that what I need to do to grow my following? I'm like, no, you do not. Like you literally can do straight talking to camera videos and people go viral that way. Like just be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So you can totally be yourself. And if you try to be something else, then you're always going to have to wear this mask forever and ever because the minute you oh. take that off, people are going to be like, bye, I thought you were this person. You're not. So you mm-hmm. always want to be authentic. Um, and that also avoids burnout because just as somebody who's always had to fake it till I make it in nine to five corporate life, that's what burns you out is being fake. Mm-hmm. Um, so be authentic and pick like, one or two social media platforms and stick with that. Like, don't try to do all of them all at the same time. Right. Yes. Repeat that one for the people in the back.
0: People are always like,
1: do you have a YouTube? Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have a podcast? And I'm like, I cannot do all the things. I (laughs) cannot. I stick to the two. I stick to TikTok and Instagram and I do them well. And that's it.
0: (laughs) That's so smart. That's so smart. It's like, know what you are going to do and do it really well. And that's it. Cause yeah. trying to do all the things you're spreading yourself thin and also watering down your content yes. because it really is what you're doing. Cause you're spreading into other places where it's actually most captivating in where you are actually originally posting it and creating it for. So yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Love it. Um, all right. What about your then money? Then the mantra money my money? Money motto
1: is, um, and I have this on my website too. Um, and I say like your financial transformation starts when you say, I don't understand this, but I want to, right? Because that's the mindset shift that takes somebody from, you know, completely like ignorant on a subject to starting their financial journey um, into something brand new, because that's right. it doesn't matter. I can pound information and knowledge out there into people as much as I want to. But if they don't want to receive it, if they're not ready to Ooh. make that change, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like I could be talking right. into the air, I could be talking, you know, it doesn't matter. But also, there is no shame in admitting that I don't understand something, right? I think also that's another like fake it till you make it mentality that we get from corporate I know America. Everything. I You're know not this. allowed to ask questions. You look dumb if you ask questions. Um, no, the first step you need to do is admit your ignorance and then be like, okay, I am ignorant on this subject, but I don't want to be anymore. And then that's when things start shifting right there. That's so true. It's
0: just literally like, I recognize I don't know what this is. I'm going to write down three questions I have about it. That's it. That's the step right there. Boom, that's the action. It's and it's so frustrating to me when I like in my family group and my friend groups, like I'll talk to people about certain things and I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, with investing and the immediate responses. Well, I can't you know, I, I don't know about investing. I can't do that. And I'm like, what well, do you want to? Right. Because if that's your response, it's just that you don't want to. And that's fine. Just say you don't want to. But don't say all these other things are the other reason. It's just that you don't want to. It's just like with active investing. It's like, oh, well, you know, I want to take out the duds. No, you want to you want to play around with the stock market. Just say say it. it. Just say it. it. Just say (laughs) it. You know what it is. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, last thing is where can people find you? You mentioned TikTok. You mentioned Instagram. Is it just yeah. daily and the Money Coach?
1: their website, what if they want to do the stock market course? Tell us all the things. Yes. The links are in my bio for Instagram and TikTok. If you want to take my free class, invest for independence. Um, it'll be the next one will be uh, at the end of September, and then another one at the end of October. So you can sign up for that with the link in my bio and go to Daily and the Money Coach. I have a bunch of free resources there. And yeah, come say hi on Instagram. That's basically where I live. <laughs>
0: Uh, it is. It really is. Love it. Oh, thank you so much. Delianne. This was amazing. Uh, we're gonna have so many gems from this conversation that I'm gonna I drop. love it.
1: Thank you for having me. This was so fun.